Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, this morning, we're continuing our series we're calling Go Big or Go Home, Baby. You have to add the baby. It just feels better when you do that, I promise you. Um, it's the line that every man has ever said when they're about to make a really bad decision. You know what I'm talking about. The 4th of July was last week. And last week during the 4th of July, we bought fireworks and we shot off one at a time and we thought, that's cute. And then one man somewhere in your family said, I've got a better idea. And they wrapped them all up and lit them all on fire at the same time and then shot them off. And as he was shooting them off, said, go big or go home, baby. And then they lost their eyebrows. You know what I'm talking about. Like this happens, right? Or we're at that restaurant and on the sign it says the two-pound burger challenge. And dad sits there like... I could do that. And so he orders the two-pound burger challenge, and it arrives right in front of him. And right before he takes the first bite, he says, go big or go home. You got that right? And they eat the whole thing, because dads always are willing to do that kind of thing. And then they pay for it later, and so does this family. Like, that's how it works. Bad decisions proceed. Go big or go home. Um, go big or go home. It's really a cliche in our culture, isn't it? Um, but here's the deal. When it comes to our faith, we often don't even come near a go big or go home attitude, do we? For many of us, if we're to take an honest look at our faith, we might use the words predictable and convenient to describe our spiritual lives, not go big or go home. But Jesus didn't call us to predictable or convenient. Jesus calls his followers to go all in for the gospel of Jesus, to, to take risks, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, to take that cross and bear that cross. In a way, Jesus calls us to go big or go home with our faith. And so in this series, we're making the challenge to you and to me, are we willing to go big or go home for our faith? Um, last week, Pastor Chuck talked about telling secrets. Go big or go home, tell secrets. I mean, he challenged all of us. Hey, find that person in the church, that person of faith that you trust, and actually go and bear your soul to that person in the name of Jesus and see what happens, right? Make yourself accountable to another follower of Jesus, Pastor Chuck said. Well, have, have, have we done it? I challenge you, if you haven't done that yet, get after it. Go big or go home for Jesus. Now this week we're going to talk about going big or going home with our personal relationship with God. Um, what if we actually went all in in our faith and we actually did that prayer stuff regularly and we actually picked up this book right here, and we actually were in it daily, and we just went for it and got it done. What would happen in our lives if we did something like that? And so um, our scripture reading this morning to kind of dive into that would be Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 2. If you have your Bible or you have your phone or whatever, I would invite you to go ahead and open up there with me. Luke chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 42. Um, this passage it's about Jesus' practice of waking up early in the morning to spend time with the Father. There's a ton of stuff in this short little passage for us this morning. So our scripture reader this morning is Joey Rickard. Joey, you can head on up when you're ready. 
And church, what we do when we're together and we read scripture together is we stand and we face the center of the room if you're able to, and we do this because we make this book valuable. This book matters in our lives. It is the story of Jesus, right? It's the story of salvation. So Joey, when you are ready, you can go ahead and take it away. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because this is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Thank you, Joey. You all may be seated. Go ahead and just keep your Bibles open there. We're going to be spending a lot of time there this morning. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Um, I counted, and if I counted correctly, I'm not a math guy myself, um, but if I counted correctly, um, that passage is nine words. Some of you are counting right now just to make sure I'm right. It's nine words. It's a really small verse um, in uh, really in comparison to most of the Bible. Just for comparison, the Apostle Paul, near the beginning of the book of Ephesians, has a sentence that is 200 words long. <laughs> you English grammar people are like, oh my word, the Apostle Paul, what are you doing, dude, right? Um, nine words, well, that's actually a pretty short sentence in the scriptures. And those nine words are sandwiched between a lot of big things that are happening on one side and a lot of big other things that are happening on the other side. If you have your Bible, just turn back a page from our scripture reading and you'll see it. At the end of Luke chapter 3, we find the story of Jesus' baptism. Jesus goes and gets baptized, and as soon as he's out of the water, the Spirit leads him off into the wilderness, and he fasts there, and he struggles there, and he's tempted by Satan there, and he conquers Satan there as well. He actually uh, refrains from the temptation that Satan gives him. It's this powerful moment in the life of Jesus. It's really a captivating read as you go. And if you're to keep following after that story, Jesus begins his ministry after that. And he begins his ministry where most of us would begin our ministry. He goes home to start his ministry, right? He goes home to Nazareth. And he begins his ministry there. And it's this crazy story of how it doesn't go well when Jesus goes home to begin his ministry. One of the most famous passages in the Bible is found in that little story right there. Jesus is basically rejected from the folks at home. And Jesus says this line, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Like our popular culture uses that line sometimes, don't they? And then Jesus finds himself in the city of Capernaum after that. And that's where the revival of the gospel begins to spread around the community. It's this amazing moment where Jesus' ministry just alights on fire. People hear him speak. And the scripture says that the people, as they listen to Jesus speak, are amazed at his teaching. And he casts out demons. And he performs miracles. And he teaches. And the scriptures say yet again, and the people are amazed at what this Jesus is doing. And then later in the day, the same day, it's sunset. And more and more people gather around Jesus. And he continues to cast out demons and heal the sick. And the people say again, it is amazing what this guy is doing. 
If you're reading the story of Jesus at this point, you're looking, okay, so like what could possibly come next after all this stuff? Like what could come next? What is Jesus up to here? If you're wrapped up in the story, you might be feeling what the crowds felt. Wow, Jesus is amazing. Look, there's a lot going on in these passages. And then we get to our scripture reading. And for many of us, it's one of those passages that you kind of just blast by, right? At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. And from there, we just continue reading, right? You just keep on going. And, and amazing stories go after this moment too. Like there's a bunch of stuff. Jesus immediately after this calls his disciples. Like Jesus revival, the fire of the gospel. He hands it off to disciples and they join him in the mission. It's this really great story. But then, well, maybe we've, maybe we've missed something there. It's a simple, short story. Verse, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. See, those nine words, that little chunk of scripture is loaded with meaning for us. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. What do we do with those nine words. And those nine words are sandwiched in between all this amazement. But what do we do with those nine words? I don't know about you, but my number one question, and I have a lot of questions like, where did Jesus go exactly when Jesus went out? Like, like how long was Jesus gone? Why didn't Jesus just tell someone, hey, I'm headed out to be alone for, like, why didn't Jesus do that? Like, I have all these questions, but the number one question that I have, what was Jesus doing out there? Like, what exactly was Jesus doing in that solitary place? At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. At daybreak, Jesus woke up, likely earlier than the rest of the town, it appears, and he snuck off to a solitary place. That word solitary, you can just highlight it in your Bible. The word solitary is a key word in this passage. Um, the New Testament, it's written in the ancient Greek language, and that word for solitary matters. Um, often, uh, the, the Greek word there is the Greek word eramos, eramos, eramos. Most often, when that word is found in the New Testament, and it's used like 50 plus times in the New Testament, it's translated not as like a lonely place or a solitary place. It's translated as wilderness or desert. So we could translate that one verse a little differently. At daybreak, Jesus went out to the desert. At daybreak, Jesus went out to the wilderness. What in the world was Jesus doing in the desert or in the wilderness? Um, a year ago, my friend and I, we went for a big hike up near Stanley. Anyone hiked up near Stanley at all? 
It's unbelievably gorgeous. Like if you haven't done it, it's something that you really need to do. And near the beginning of the hike, we were hiking and it was great. And there were dozens and dozens of people around us. Like the hike was packed with people. We were passing people. People were passing us. And we wanted to get away from it. And so we came up with this brilliant idea. And the brilliant idea is what if we hike off the trail? We are not expert hikers. There's another story behind that one. And so we started climbing off the trail and climbing up one of the hills nearby. And soon we were like way off the beaten path. And I remember being struck by one thing as we came to the top of a hill and we stopped for rest because apparently climbing straight up a hill is really hard to do. I learned that one that day. What I was struck by though was how unbelievably alone we were. Like we were completely alone. There was no one to see. There was no one to hear. In fact, when you're hiking in the mountains and, and you find yourself alone, perhaps you've had this moment before, the lack of noise that we're used to hearing is almost deafening to our ears. It's a really weird sensation in our day. Like we have all of these noises that we just assume in our lives. We have the hum of the refrigerator and the ice maker, right? We have that in our house. We've got kids running around. We've got dogs barking and, and cars going by, right? There's constant noise in our lives. But at the top of that trail, we experienced what a solitary place was like. We were truly alone. We were in the wilderness. Um, the scriptures sometimes translate our passage as, as a lonely place. And it felt that way on the trail that day. But why would Jesus wake up early in the morning and go there? Like, what was Jesus doing? In fact, the scriptures record often Jesus doing something like this. It was likely that Jesus snuck off early in the morning every single morning of his life. It's something that was normative for him. Jesus, for whatever reason, needed to be in a solitary place every single morning because you see, it's in those moments in our lives when all the clutter from our routines and our responsibilities, it falls away and we can finally hear that still small voice of the Lord speaking to us. You see, Jesus awoke early in the morning, every morning, because it was there that Jesus could hear his Father. See? See, sometimes the only way to really hear from God is to stop hearing everything else. And to be honest, in our day and age, we're really bad at this, <laughs> aren't we? We are really bad at this. In our day, our alarm goes off in the morning. We hit the snooze button perhaps a couple times. We get up. We rush to either do a workout or eat breakfast or simply get ready for the day and head out the door. And then we head off for work or we begin parenting for the day or we head off to school. 
And with the rise of the smartphone, any gap in our business, any gap in what we're doing in our lives is filled. It is completely booked with Facebook and Instagram and news sources and texting and email and all the stuff that comes with our smartphones. And we come home at night and we eat dinner and then we head off for more busyness, whether there's kids' activities or that meeting that we have to get to, or we just have to check out in front of the TV or phone or iPad or all three if it's been a really bad day, if you know what I'm talking about, right? In fact, most of us, when we go to bed at night and our head hits the pillow, our, we fall asleep to the glow of our smartphone on our faces, don't we? For many of us, that's true. In our world, the idea of loneliness, or perhaps a better word would be solitude, is exceedingly rare. It might even seem impossible to us. And yet, it's the rhythm that Jesus followed. Morning after morning after morning, waking up early, walking to a solitary place and waiting on the Lord morning after morning after morning. You see, the series that we began last week is called Go Big or Go Home, meaning what does it look like to live a go big or go home faith? Like what might that look like for us? What does it really look like to buy into following Jesus fully, to just go for it in our lives? And you see, if you really want to take it seriously, this following Jesus stuff, if following Jesus is truly a priority, then time alone with the Lord needs to be a priority too. It has to be. And the way that Jesus gave us, the model he gave us of being with the Lord is to wake up early, go to a place of solitude, and spend time with the Lord. If you want to take your faith seriously, like if you really want to buy in, Jesus says, well, follow me. Do what I do. Wake up early. Go to a place of solitude. And really listen for God's voice in your life. And folks, this is not some kind of divine God holding his holy thumb down on us to really keep us in place. Like, that's not what's happening here. Like, God says, you need to have this rhythm in your life of being with me, of being alone with me regularly. And he gives us that for a reason. It's good for our souls. It's good for our lives. It's good for our minds and our bodies to do things like that regularly. There's something about the rhythm of starting the day with the Lord when we wake that really shapes our lives. I mean, I want you to listen to the passage one more time because there's a pattern in this passage. Let's just listen to the passage here a second. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. You see, there's this pattern and rhythm that Jesus displays in the passage. The pattern is Jesus working very hard for the kingdom, healing and miracles and teaching all day long. And then spends the night sleeping, wakes up early, spends time in solitude with the Father. 
and then heads off to do the hard work again all day, more healing and more miracles and more teaching. You see, there's a rhythm here for us. You know, if you're feeling spiritually apathetic in this season, with all the COVID stuff, for many of us, we might be there at this point, right? That anxiety does something to us. If your prayer life is suffering, if you feel like your faith is kind of on the rocks, you're really feeling distant from it all. If you feel like your life is on E and you're just kind of scraping by in life, you see there's something about the discipline of waking up early, spending time with the Lord in loneliness that does something to us. It's the first thing in the morning that we do that sets the day for us, right? That's why mom said make the bed, Right? If you start the morning with the Lord, you will bring the Lord with you the rest of the day. It's, it's how it works. And it actually changes us. Have you had that moment when you're at work and there's that employee that just treats you terribly, that coworker? And on a normal day, you would just like rip the guy a new one, right? Just go after him back. Like I'll, you know, stick up for myself. You wake up with the Lord and that moment might change for you. You might find some grace and compassion that you didn't have before by just waking up early in the morning. If you wake up every morning with the Lord, you may be driving down the road and you see that accident off to the side and it looks ugly. Instead of just driving past and needing to get to the place where we need to get, we might actually just say, whoa, like my heart hurts for those people. It might actually change us. Waking up with the Lord. When you see that sunset or that mountain or that art or that really good food that's just made to perfection and it's so, so good. Instead of just, oh, it's so good, that thing is beautiful. No, no, it might actually draw you back to God. Wow, look at what God has done. When we wake up in the morning, those things happen for us. God does not want us to have a laissez-faire relationship with him. God wants us to go big, do the things, get after it. And one of the easiest starting points is to simply wake up to him. I asked a question earlier. I don't know that we answered it. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. What exactly did Jesus do there? It's an important question, isn't it? The answer is kind of simple, actually. Jesus woke up, went off to a solitary place, and he prayed. That's what Jesus did there. In fact, Jewish people in the time of Jesus had a prayer that they would pray multiple times throughout the day, every single day. And the first time they would pray that prayer in the day, you want to guess when that was? Daybreak. At daybreak is when they would pray it. And the prayer in that day was called the Amidah, this long Jewish prayer. You can look it up. It's super duper long. And Jesus would most likely have prayed the Amidah at daybreak in a solitary place every single day. And certainly Jesus would have done more than that in those moments as well. Jesus would have spent time with his father 
as well. Jesus would have pleaded with his father for things. Jesus would have tried to listen for the father's voice. Jesus would have recollected scripture as he's sitting there thinking, uh, praying the Amidah. He would, scripture would have come to his mind and he would have wrestled with, well, why that scripture? What does that mean for my life? All that would have taken place while Jesus awoke at daybreak, went off to a solitary place. That's what Jesus was doing. And you see, that's what Jesus invites you and I to do as well. Scripture, prayer, listening. That's what you do. Scripture, prayer, listening. Now how in the world would we go about beginning something like that if we really don't do that very often? Um, On your seats this morning, you have a piece of paper. I'd invite you to grab it here a second called Waking Up with the Lord. This is a TFRC house-made thing, so it's a pretty big deal. The saying matters. How would you go about scripture, prayer, listening with the Lord every day? Well, you could do something like this, and it would take you like 10 minutes to do the whole thing every single morning. Imagine what would happen if you woke up 10 minutes earlier every single day and went through something like this and spent time with the Father, what would happen in your life? Jesus woke up early to pray to the Father and to spend time with the Father, and Jesus calls us to do the same thing. The challenge for you this morning is to go big or go home with your faith if you're not there yet and do something like this. Just go for it and see what happens. Now, what I'd like to do is I'd like to set the pattern for us this morning. I want to do something a little weird and actually do this with you this morning. Maybe an abbreviated version, but go through it. Um, For many of us, we might feel a little unfamiliar with something like this. And so maybe today during church, we go through this and then we do it and then it gives us that momentum and the energy to tomorrow morning. Well, we, we do it again and then the next day we do it again and we do it again. So I want to walk through this with you. If you have that piece of paper, make sure you have it out and, I, I, and I'd like you to turn to the Psalms this morning. If you have your Bible or your smartphone, I invite you to turn to Psalm 1. If you open your Bible to the middle, you'll almost be there. Psalm 1. One of the ways that you can go about doing this is you can just read a psalm every single day. Start with Psalm 1, tomorrow Psalm 2, and you'll find your way all the way through the psalms. And there's a lot of other places you can go from there. But I'd like to walk through this with you this morning as soon as you get there to the psalms, Psalm 1. This starts with an invitation. Let me just read this short verse from the psalms to you. Listen to this. It's on that piece of paper. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. When you wake up in the morning, invite the Lord to be with you and get into the mindset of seeking. So what I'd like you to do, take 20 seconds and invite the Lord particularly into this moment for you this morning. Go ahead and take 20 seconds.
And as we've invited God to just be with us in this moment, we'll turn to the Word, and we'll start with Psalm 1, and we'll just slowly read through Psalm 1. Let me just read it for us this morning. Listen to Psalm 1, and, and really listen to the words. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now from here, you move on to the listening part. Because we expect that God speaks to us whenever we read his words. There's three questions below. You can read them. And I'll, uh, I want us to just consider the second one this morning for a second. Let, let me read it to you. The second question is this. How does this scripture resemble or contrast your life right now? And I want you to think about that. Take 20 seconds and think about that as you think about Psalm 1. How does the scripture resemble or contrast your life right now? Go ahead. And when we've thought about God's word, we move on to actually talking to God, right? Move on to prayer. When Jesus was alone with his father, he would pray the Amidah. Now, the Lord's prayer is like an abbreviated version of the Amidah. It's really interesting. Uh, you could look that up at some point. And so I put the Lord's prayer on the sheet, and I've, it's a different version so it's maybe a little new feeling to you. And I'd like us to read it aloud. Pray these words out loud to the Lord. And then from there you enter into a time of prayer. Let's read uh, the Lord's Prayer here together. Join with me. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Amen. And from there, you can move on to a time of open prayer. And there's three questions for you or thoughts to consider. Just time to make your request to the Lord to speak your life to the Lord. And then after that, you go to the blessing 
and you're done. Do you know how long this will take if we do this every single morning? Like 10 minutes. That's it. So tomorrow I challenge you, do Psalm 2 and just see what happens. Now for some of us, uh, we have been doing this wake up with the Lord stuff for a really long time and it's like, yeah, we've kind of been there, done that. For some of us, going big or going home in our faith, in our relationship with Jesus is going to demand more more of a step. For the last three years, we've been doing this thing, kind of piloting this experiment, I would call it, called the journey discipleship process. It's like going to school for discipleship. It's a year-long process. There's actually a second year after that you can take as well. And it's an incredibly difficult endeavor, but it will grow you if you take it seriously in ways that you really probably haven't grown before. It will ask questions of your life. It will teach you to read scripture differently. It will teach you to pray. We'll teach you to look at your story. It's a really big deal. Um, this year, we're going to make it public, and you have to apply to be a part of it. And there's only like 14 spots. And so this morning, if you're the kind of person that's like, I'm ready for like, the, like go big or go home. I want to take the big challenge. I invite you after this service, there's a table set up in the octagon, and I invite you to go have a conversation with those folks out there. Because that may be the thing that really makes you step up your game for Jesus. I promise you. It would be fulfilling and difficult, all the stuff. So I invite you to that as well. Why don't I close this in prayer? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that in nine words, you can have so much to say to us. God, we come before you and we recognize that we are not a people um, that are present terribly often. We're busy. We're on our devices. We have things to do, places to be, people to talk to, all this stuff, God. And in the middle of that, sometimes, Lord, we, we edge you out of it, or at least we try. God, we ask that you give us the power, the endurance, the motivation to really take you seriously, to go big or go home, God. Help us meet with you way more regularly than we do now for some of us and be with you and be changed by you and be shaped by you. God, we thank you that we get to do those kind of things because Jesus went to a cross for us and he gave us salvation. So God, in our gratitude, we pray that you give us hearts to just be with you now because we can. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let me leave you with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord raise his countenance upon you and give you peace, church. Amen.